and welcome to the Moncast. My name is Stevie. I'm Sam. The current score is 3-1 to Pokemon, and this time we are discussing the fifth episodes, Old Reliable and Illusion Confusion. Start with illusion confusion. Hoot hoot, 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 hoot hoot. They're in a forest. I think you mentioned they've been in forests like four out of five episodes now, or something like that. They've only been in forests. Were they in a forest in the first episode? It was forest with a lab, then it was forest with a baseball stadium, then it was forest with bugs, and then it was forest with a quarry. And this time it's forest with illusions. It's forests. Like, this is the season of the forests. But I know what's going to happen later on, and it's really going to bother me, because after the first gym, they have to go to meet the bug gym leader, called Bugsy, because of course he is. And Azalea Town is in the middle of a forest, so they've got to go to a forest to get to him. And then after him, they have to go to a place called Elix Forest. So there's at least two more forests they have to go through. Stevie, I'm, I can't... I can't... I can't deal with... They're in a forest, here's a Pokemon Team Rocket's there and gone. I can't. Here's a question. Can you call it filler if it's not padding in between anything because there wasn't anything at the start in the first place? It's the filler of filler. Maybe they just have a forest fetish. This is within the first ten episodes of a show. This is kind of when you should be releasing some pretty good strong episodes in order to hook people in to get them to watch the rest of the season. And I feel like season one... They still had some really strong stuff. At like the first episode, Pikachu literally has a thunderbolt strike him and he wipes out an army of Spearow. And like, we've just had forests. It just feels so boring. It does. Like, it's not only that, they're in a forest and they're lost and that's kind of, that always happens to them. They have a map. They should be able to go from A to B. And are you telling me that there aren't public pathways to get from these places? I think it's mainly this episode where they actually have a reason for being lost in a forest, at least. Yeah, it's justifiable with the fact that there's illusions, but also travel in the daytime. But they can't travel in the daytime because they always leave places at sundown. (laughs) They're in another forest and they're lost. This is like the fifth forest they're in and they're lost. Misty says they're in trouble because they're lost again. And then Ash is like, oh no, the troubles will be over. And he just runs away. So now it's nighttime and they hear like this weird echoey laughter and the trees around them get evil faces appearing on them a bit like in Snow White. And they're running away. Run from the spooky trees. Yeah, because trees are spooky because they've got weird mouths on them. It's really threatening in the way that they're not moving. (laughs) But then there's suddenly a pair of glowing red eyes, which scares them, but it's uh, a hoot hoot that Gary Oak has. Sadly, it's not Cyclops from the X-Men, which would make for a really interesting episode. What, just a bird with eye lasers? No, just actual X-Men crossover. They wouldn't be in such a garbage universe, though, would they? (laughs) But yeah, so we see Gary, which I'm really happy for, because the last time we would have actually seen him would have been 
in the Intergo League where he beats Ash and then he loses the next round. Or Ash beats Gary, I forgot. But now we see him in Johto and he's got a hoot hoot and he's on his way to do stuff. And Gary's the one who tells them that they need a hoot hoot to get through this forest, which is good of him. I've noticed he's less of a jerk to Ash. I think he may have garnered some respect for Ash and like he doesn't see him as just a silly person anymore. He's more like... For some reason, I don't know why, but I, I see Gary seeing Ash now as an actual legitimate trainer. He's still very boastful. He didn't seem as smug as he has been. Like, he didn't have that smirk on his face that he normally has. He just doesn't call Ash a baby or anything. He literally just says, oh, you guys are here. You're going to need a hoot hoot to get through this forest. No, he also says, I instantly assessed the situation and knew that I required a hoot hoot, so I got myself a hoot hoot. I was so busy capturing Pokemon. Stuff like that. That's not him being smug, though. He's just stating facts. It's better than later on when Ash says that thanks to him, everybody's okay. Even that he's the one who puts everybody in danger in this episode. Well, that's not entirely fair. Just wait, we'll get to it. Gary then leaves because he's said his lines and doesn't want to be around Ash or anybody else because they're awful people. Because Gary is the best. He is. I really like Gary. I kind of want him to come back. Can he not be our protagonist, please? I would be okay with that. We'd actually get to see someone being an actual trainer. There's one bit I want to mention. Gary says that if they don't find Hoot, they'll be lost in the forest forever. But they're already lost in the forest forever anyway. Even if they get out of this forest, they'll find another forest to get lost in. That's kind of what they do now. You'll be lost in the forest forever. We're already lost in the forest forever. You know what they could do? They could get one of their flying Pokemon to fly straight up and then they could look around. Climb on Charizard's back? No, that would require them getting to Violet City in half an episode as opposed to six. It takes five seconds in the games. Ash and co decide that they need a hoot hoot. And I like how Ash is a Pokemon trainer, quote unquote, and then Misty and Brock are gym leaders. The way that they're going to find a hoot hoot is by shouting its name in a forest. They're not going to be quiet and search for it like actual people would because they're wild animals. They're going to just be like, hoot hoot! Where are you? What accent was that? I don't know. That's me being very tired and very done with these people. If you were going to hunt for an owl, your best bet is probably to not shout its name constantly. We literally saw Ash in one of the first episodes sneaking up on a Pokemon to try and tactically catch it. But now he's just shouting their names as he runs along a forest. But somehow, for some reason, it works because it's a hoot hoot that appears in front of, um... Misty. Misty. That's a name. It's not said very often because it's usually a background character. So you might have forgotten. But there's a hoot hoot and every time Misty takes a step, the hoot hoot follows her. And then it pecks Ash and runs off and they run after it because they could use their Pokemon to catch it. But they're not because that would involve being Pokemon trainers. Ash has an electric type Pokemon that could just shoot electricity at it. Or he can just use Bulbasaur like he always does, because that's all he ever does. If it's not Pikachu, it's Bulbasaur. The one of his Pokemon that hasn't evolved yet. Because it didn't feel like it. There was no reason, but Ash is always going to use Bulbasaur, even though he knows now it's never going to evolve. So they run after it, and they find a weird, totally not Stonehenge place. And then they find yet another old lady in this Pokemon world, where there's just endless old women. Spoiler for the end of the episode, she has a twin sister as well. Why do all these old ladies have twin sisters who look exactly like them but slightly different? It's a very good question that I don't think we'll ever get an answer for. I'm sure this is like the third time now that we've seen old lady with twin sister who they confuse with the twin sister. Maybe they're all previous Nurse Joys and Officer Jennies have grown up. I can see that being a thing. Explains why so many of them are identical. But... This lady's called Hagatha, and she rents Hoot Hoot out to travellers to get them through the woods. 
But why isn't her building at the edge of the woods, not in the middle of it? That's like having a boat rental place in the middle of the ocean. People shouldn't have to swim out to your boat rental shop to rent the boat. They're already in the sea. If you're going to rent out Hoot Hoot to people, maybe have your Hoot Hoot rental shop on the edge of the forest they need to get through. That's just business 101 to me. Yeah, I think you got the analogy spot on with the boat rental in the middle of the lake. It just seems really weird how they find it in the middle of the forest when it should be on the outside because that's how it works. Either way, they get there, they find a lady who sells hoot hoot, but they, she hasn't got any, she's got this one left, oh no! And wouldn't you know it, this one's quirky in some way. This one's just not very good. It's gonna be, this Pokemon has some problem that Ash is gonna help them get over, through the power of friendship. It's quite a long story to it, about some guy almost starving to death because of this hoot hoot being rubbish. So she's like, I've got this one with me, but I don't lend it out to people because it doesn't really do its job. And Ash is like, but we saw Gary, now I'm gonna have to go now because of stuff. Gary will just get further away. So what he's going to do is he's going to endanger everybody else and put their lives at risk because they can get lost in this forest or because he saw Gary this one time. So Selfish Child now puts other people at risk because he wants to do stuff. He believes in the Hoot Hoot though. Okay, but also she said they'll be there tomorrow morning. It is now night time. Why don't they just sleep? Sleep at the place. It'll be there in the morning. Then they can go. That is a very good point. Are they not aware that sleep is an option? It's night time. They're probably going to need to sleep very soon anyway. So instead of going through the forest and potentially finding a place to rest after, why not just chill their beans here for now, have some food, have some rest, wake up early, get the first hoot that comes back and get through that forest. But they saw Gary. So now they have to go and use the broken hoot hoot. I mean, Gary's just so attractive that they have to keep up with him. But they have to use the broken hoot hoot. Because Ash believes in the Hoot Hoot until the first second it inconveniences them. Then he grabs the Hoot Hoot and abuses the Hoot Hoot by saying it's a Pokemon. This is not what Pokemon do. It's quite an invasion of personal space, really. Hoot Hoot has problems getting through the forest properly. I am a bit confused as to why Hoot Hoot, which is a nocturnal animal that lives in the forest, is scared of the forest at night time. You've got to admit that Hoot Hoot's really adorable in his dopey ways. Hoot Hoot is really cute. Which is the way he hops around with that happy look on his face as they're talking about him behind his back and slacking him off. They take the broken hoot hoot and Haggath is like, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. This hoot hoot's broken. It's afraid of the forest. There's another point about this hoot hoot. Not only is it just a failure as a hoot hoot, it's also a sexist failure as a hoot hoot. Yeah, because it likes pretty women. It only likes pretty girls. I mean, it does kind of work now when they go and they find some floating blue flame spirits and Hoot's scared. And then Misty's like, no, you can do it. I believe in you. But then it gets too afraid and it runs away. And this is when Ash like fully grabs the Hoot Hoot and says it needs to start acting like a real Pokemon. And it's kind of abusive. So you're telling me that a Pokemon isn't allowed to be afraid because real Pokemon don't get scared? Well, we both know that Ash isn't the greatest trainer. I think what bothers me about this is this is so against Ash's character, where his thing is he likes to help Pokemon and he wants to befriend all the Pokemon because yay, happy fun time. Ash isn't the sort of person who's going to be like, no, suck it up, be a Pokemon, this is what Pokemon do. He doesn't really see Pokemon as Pokemon, he sees them as friends. So for him to find a Pokemon that has its first obstacle, which is it's afraid of the ghosts and stuff in the forest, it doesn't make sense for Ash to suddenly have this hard-ass attitude. It's so 
against who he is as a person. We've seen him for an entire season and a half where he has found Pokemon that have got things like they're afraid and stuff. What I should have done is like maybe get flashlights and be like, oh, look, it's just this thing. Or, you know, why don't you stand between the two of us and we'll be here to support you. It's not, I'm going to grab the hoot hoot and then hold it close to my face and be like, this is not what Pokemon do. You need to start acting like a real Pokemon. It's so out of character for him and I find it really jarring. I feel like they were trying to do a whole good cop, bad cop thing with him and Misty, but he isn't usually a bad cop, so it doesn't fit him at all. Who he is as a person isn't this thing that they need to write him like for this one episode. Yeah, it's all very forceful. This feels really forced on him just to be this way. That's not how he deals with stuff. It's like he's getting frustrated at the Hootoot before the Hootoot's even done anything wrong. Yeah, even though he was told several times that this Hootoot has problems. So Ash gets mad at it, and then during Ash getting mad at the Hootoot, Team Rocket suddenly appear and take Pikachu with fishing rods. Not with fishing rods. They've got, like, rope attached to fishing rods. It's magical rope. That wraps around him somehow. Yeah, it just sort of reaches over and ties itself around Pikachu on its own. It's very magical rope. Just what were they thinking when they animated that? Wait, it gets weirder. They escape on a boat on a rope in the trees. Where was that going? We've not seen it before. And then they're just there on a boat that's attached to some rope. And then the rope snaps. So we see this boat on a rope for like three seconds and then it's on the floor. And then as it crashes, the box they've put Pikachu in flies in the air and lands in Ash's arms. And then he lifts it up and now he's got Pikachu back. It's so daft. The entire thing takes like 10 seconds and I'm like, oh, okay. Guess that was Team Rocket then. It just seems so weird that like they've added this one thing in. This is now canon in the universe that you can rent out boats on a rope in this forest. What sort of pulley system was that for? Who put it there? Where was it going to and from? It's just such an absurd thing for them to have. We're never going to see this thing again, but it's been brought into this world and this existence for this one scene. I don't get why they didn't just use their basket, but as the balloon goes up, it like snags on a tree branch and it pops. I was so focused on the magical self-coiling rope. I didn't even think about how dumb the basket hanging from a pulley rope system in the forest is. It's not a basket, it's a boat. It's a wooden boat. Did they build this? I think they buy it from somebody. Like, I think Meowth mentions they buy it from somebody, but Jesse literally goes, I hope the rope doesn't snap. And then the rope snaps from this boat on a rope that they have. I don't get what's going on now, but okay, here we are. Now Ash has got the box with Pikachu back and he opens it and then Pikachu saved. Team Rocket sent out their Pokemon, but then they suddenly see a Dragonite and it's obviously an illusion, but they chase it away. I'm like, okay, so this all happened. It didn't need to happen. This entire episode doesn't need to happen. It's... It's filler. But we see an illusion. Yeah, and I want to point out that it's really funny just seeing James sat inside a victory bell. He's being digested in there. And then there's lots of copies of Ash. It's everyone's worst nightmare. Absolutely. They're saying stuff that the thing that's causing you the, the illusion wouldn't know. Like it's being like, oh, I'm the real one, Pikachu. It's me. You know who I am. But how would the thing that's causing the illusion know that they have this bond? They've watched Ash walk with Pikachu the whole time. It's so weird to... There's suddenly these things, there's lots of Ash, and then Pikachu shocks them, and then there's the real one. Which shouldn't work. Why would electricity affect illusions? Why would laser eye vision affect illusions? That's a very valid point, actually. Why would any of this affect illusions? But Misty sees bugs, and then Hootoot runs away, because it can also see the bugs, maybe? Even though we've been shown several times that unless you're the one experiencing the illusions, you can't see them. It's silly. 
the last illusion we saw was Team Rocket running after a Dragonite, and then Ash and Co. didn't see it. So does that mean everybody experienced the multiple Ashes, not just Pikachu? Brooke and Misty saw them. But then also, they all sort of saw the bugs as well? I guess. I think the illusions are split between Team Rocket and Ash and Co. And then, like, Ash gets mad at who, who is saying it should be ashamed of himself. Why? For having a fear? For being a failure of a hoot hoot. Is hoot hoot better now? You can be abusive towards your Pokemon and it will fix it. Well, he does it all for Misty in the end, because Misty's a pretty girl. This is not how it should be. This is not the lesson Pokemon should be teaching us, that it's okay to be like, you're a Pokemon, you should do what I say to do. You shouldn't have these own personal issues, because that's not what Pokemon have. Well, it doesn't work. It's only because Hootoot likes Misty that it ends up doing anything. It ignores Ash and everything that he tries to do, because he's just going about it in a horrible way. So it's revealed that the, the things creating the illusion are Haunter and Gengar. So Ash sends out Bulbasaur because he always sends out Bulbasaur if it's not Pikachu. And he always uses Vine Whip because that's always what happens. Because why would they spend money animating anything other than Bulbasaur using Vine Whip? It's super effective against everything. You never see Bulbasaur and Gengar and Haunter in the same shot. It's all like separate. It's Bulbasaur uses Vine Whip. Then you see the vines hit the Haunter and Gengar. Which shouldn't work because they're ghosts. Also maybe Ash should capture Gengar because it's a strong Pokemon and then Pikachu shocks them and then they leave. Hooray! Now all these pesky illusions that are no threat to anyone have stopped. The only reason the illusion should be a real obstacle is if they hid the way that they were supposed to go. Everything else they should just be able to go these are illusions we can't ignore them but they still act like the real things even though they know that it's all fake. It's just that Ash and Co. was stupid. No point is the illusion, oh, they've blocked our way, we can't see which is the actual path. To which I also say, put your hand on the tree. It will not feel like a tree because it's an illusion. You will be able to go through the tree. There's no actual threat in this episode. There isn't. They just act all scared for no reason. Misty could have just stood up and walked away. (laughs) No, because she can't. She's a girl, okay? They're soft and they need protecting. From the bugs that are just sat around them even though she's been shown to be reasonably okay with bugs in the past. Yeah, so it's daytime and they think they're back at the place from before, but here we we get another one of these. Oh, I am not this person. I am the twin, but with like one slightly different letter. Changes from Hagatha to Agatha. Who would name the children those names? Anime parents. Hagatha and Agatha. That won't be confusing. (laughs) They call Hagatha and then Ash says, it was tough, but thanks to me, it was all okay. And I'm like, no, Ash, thanks to you, everybody got put in danger. No, they didn't, because the illusions were completely safe. If they'd got lost in the forest, they would have, like, they could have starved to death. So that's the danger. They can't, though, because Brock's magic bag has an infinite supply of everything. But it wasn't all thanks to, to Ash. And also, Misty goes, I helped a little bit. It's like, no one did anything. You guys just basically endured Ash being himself which is apparently in this season hot-headed and will put people at risk just because of reasons that aren't really that important and will also abuse pokemon and get a payoff for it ash was really incompetent he was and really smug about anything that he thinks that he's done he's like i believe in this pokemon until the second it has any like problem in which case it's like no this is not what pokemon do and then they all leave to head to violet city i'm pretty sure they don't get to violet city in the next episode we're gonna be on episode six and still not a single badge but lots of forests though at least he's caught a heracross which will rarely be seen because of bulbasaur still existing (laughs) he'll just use bulbasaur it's fine bulbasaur can use vine whip he used Heracross the episode after he caught Heracross. 
Yeah, but then he's now back to Bulbasaur, you use Vine Whip. Great. And then the episode ends with Team Rocket sat on a beach, but it's not on a beach, it's an illusion, because they're still in the forest. They got the ending from Rayman 2. They did. So, standout characters. I've got Gary, because Gary was here. I'm inclined to agree. Gary was good. My specific note is Gary's here for two seconds, and then Ash puts everyone's life at danger, just because Gary was here minding his own business. Gary's the driving force behind this episode. And he was only in it for like a minute. They should have just gone with Gary. That would have been more interesting as well. Because we'd see what Gary's been doing. Actually, yeah, it would have been pretty cool. Just seeing Ash and everyone hanging out with Gary and being like, Grr, Gary! And everyone's like, Ash, calm down, okay? And then we could just have a whole episode of Gary mocking Ash whenever he tries to do anything. But he didn't mock Ash. He was like nice to Ash. He gave him advice. Like, you need to go and get a hoot hoot to get through this forest. Like, he was a good person in this episode. This would have been a good chance for Ash to see how a trainer actually does trainer things. Would have been a good time for him to reflect and actually think about what he's been doing badly. But no, he just gets left behind and has to rush through the forest with the hoot hoot and be abusive towards it. What was your favourite thing? My favourite thing was that Misty almost became a character in this episode. She had, like, three lines. She was brought up more than usual because hoot hoot had to talk to someone other than Ash, because Ash was being so awful. I'm inclined to see whether these episodes pass the Bechdel test at any point. What test is that? Are there scenes where there's two women talking, and if they're talking, they're talking about men or not, and if they don't, then it passes the test? Well, Hagatha and Misty talk about Hoot Hoot, so I think it passes. Barely. Oh, that sucks. I kind of thought it'd fail. They barely talk to each other, and the men were still around while they spoke to each other. So, I guess you could say it fails in that regard. My favourite thing is that they kind of made Misty a character by accident by making Hoot Hoot sexist. I like Hoot Hoot in this episode. Hoot Hoot was a hoot. Hoot. Yeah, he's really bouncy and happy, which I thought was really nice. And it has fears, which is understandable because it's going through a forest. I mean, granted, it's a nocturnal Pokemon in a forest, even though it's a forest-dwelling nocturnal Pokemon. That's fine. They were told not to use it because he's scared, but I guess Ash is like, no, it's fine. It's not allowed to be that way. I'll, I'll shout at it. Filler or not filler? I think it's definitely filler. <laughs> It's absolutely filler, because nothing was achieved in this episode. In fact, I think the first four episodes have been filler, except maybe Heracross. Heracross wasn't filler because they caught Heracross. So, so far there have been more filler episodes than non-filler episodes. Yep. In the first five episodes of a new season, you could watch two of those episodes and still get the same story. It's not very good. (laughs) It is not good, Pokemon. Overall thoughts? It was okay. It's boring. It's just honestly boring. It's, it, the entire plot of the episode is they're lost in the woods, which is a thing they do in every episode. And the fact they're still in a forest, even setting-wise, it's so samey and it doesn't feel exciting. I think I only really enjoyed it because of Gary, Hoot Hoot and Team Rocket. Everything with Ash and Co. was pretty bad. And Hagatha and Agatha were just pointless fellow characters. The first few episodes of a show should be interesting enough to hook you in to watch the rest of the season but it's really not even zero two to a certain extent as it's got ideas that it's throwing at us granted not all of them stick so well but at least it's not you know the situation now for this the same inane stuff again and again and again i mean there are parts where it is pretty samey but they they shake it up enough so that there is progression enough this is still like they're going to the first thing and it's been the same thing for six episodes he picked up a bug along the way it's just they're on the way to violet city and that's all they have to sustain it right now 
it's such a thin plot and it's really boring. It needs to do something fun again. Something different. Please, Pokemon. We're begging you. Get out of the forest. We don't need it anymore. And I'm scared that they're going to be like in a forest for 25 of the first 30 episodes and I can't deal with the forest. What if we get to the end and he's only got two badges and he spent the entire time in a forest? Oh no. I don't think I'm going to make it. We can get through it, Sam. Next up is Old Reliable. The kids receive a distress signal from Gomamon, but Cody has kendo practice, so has to go do that before they can actually get to the adventure part of Digimon Adventure Zero 2. Joe tags along because it's his turn to be a returning character, and they head off to find his partner. Once he's found, they head off to destroy a dark spire, creating problems for themselves along the way, until the spire is destroyed, and Okakamon launches a single attack, saving the day and fixing all the problems for everybody. So it introduces us with a scene where the Digimon Emperor is forcing people to do something. Yeah, there's some Gizamon and they're kind of just there. They're not there to construct the spire because the spire's already there. So what is he trying to get them to do? I don't know. I think one of them moves forward once and then falls down and then he just whips it. You must keep walking. <laughs> I'd say context clues, but there aren't any. Like, we need to kind of know what's happening in this situation, but we don't. He's slave-driving them to do nothing. He's not doing anything in the area, because the spire's already up. But Gomamon objects to the Digimon Emperor whipping this Gizamon, because he shouldn't do it, because they all need a break from whatever it is that they're doing. Also, later on, he's still there at the site, casually, even though he doesn't need to be there. Yeah, what does the Digimon Emperor do? Once he's put the spire down, what does he do? He goes and puts a spire down elsewhere. But he just hangs around, whipping the Digimon to do nothing. He's around here for this episode, because he needs to be in it for there to be an opponent. Otherwise, they can just have a jolly fun time. Yeah. Also, this made me think of something, which I've never really questioned before. Which is that we never see wild variations of any of the kids' Digimon. Nope. Because that means we'd be confusing them. We just take for granted that... If there's a Gomamon, it is the Gomamon that we know. What if there's two Gomamon, and this Gomamon died, and the other one's Joe's Gomamon? There could be multiple Gomamons, Sam. Yeah, so, like, the Emperor's there for some vague reason, and he's attacking these Gizamon for some vague reason, and then Gomamon stops him, and then Gomamon gets attacked, and then he, well, he puts dark rings around the Gizamon, and then everybody leaves suddenly. Like, he could just take control of Gomamon, he's right there. No... He possessed every other Digimon in the area, but this Gomamon, I guess, can just sort of stay there. He doesn't possess Digimon, he controls them. He can just control Gomamon, but he won't because that means we won't have a plot for the episode. Even though it goes against his character, which is he wants to control everything. But he'll not control this one specific Digimon because that's what's going to give us the plot. He probably just thought it was dead. I don't understand why he just didn't put rings on all the Gizamon in the first place. Because we need to see him do it, because we need to be reminded that the Emperor is evil. But we know that he's the evil Digimon Emperor. It was said in the, like, the first line of the first episode. Okay, so Gomamon crawls away and calls out to Joe, which apparently is how they get the Digivices to start beeping. Well, it worked in the first episode with Agumon. Agumon just called out for Tai. So Joe's talking to a group of kids about stuff, like tests, and then his... Digivice beeps loudly, so he runs to go and do stuff. 
Is this where he says, I just remembered I forgot to remember something? Yes. It's such a good line. But he runs off because he needs to go and do something. But the next time we see him, he's got bags of shopping, which means that he's running to go and do something. But then he realizes that he needs stuff. So just imagine him running around like a shop, throwing stuff into a bag because he needs stuff just in case. Oh, that's fun. Like Digivice fully beeping as he's just running along, just grabbing heat packs and throwing them into his trolley. He's at the checkout, scanning stuff. It's still beeping. He's like, it's okay. It's fine. Go do some stuff. Classic Joe. So once Joe runs away, it cuts to Cody walking down some stairs as the school bell rings. And Davis appears at the top of the stairs and he calls out to Cody asking where he's going. Cody says he has to go to kendo practice. And uh, Davis reminds him that the digital world's in danger. And Cody says his grandfather's the instructor and he'd get mad if he's late. And then Cody leaves. And I think that's the problem I have with Cody. Like, he seems so disinterested in what's going on. Like, at no point has, has he seemed even remotely excited by the situation. I can vaguely picture him saying at one point, I want to go to the digital world, but with probably less enthusiasm than that. Yeah. He never sounds like he actually wants to go. Like, if he said to Davis, I really want to go, but I've got other commitments that I can't drop right now, I could understand, but it's the way it's just like, my grandfather's the instructor and he'll get mad at me if I don't go. Bye. I get they're trying to create a reserved character. There's a difference between being reserved and being dead. <laughs> because of how flat each character is, they they haven't really fleshed out characters as well as they should have. Beforehand, they've basically given them all like one word characteristics and then just rolled with that. And as a result, they all just seem so boring and bland and flat. Especially Cody, considering his is supposed to be like quiet and reserved. He can be quiet and reserved, but he can still be excited about going to the digital world and having these monsters to go and, like, have adventures with. But he just doesn't, at any point, seem even interested or excited about it. And he should, you know, he's the youngest kid. He should be full of wonder and be like, oh, this is actually really cool. I've got a really cool new friend who's an armadillo that can turn into a bug. But he just doesn't seem bothered. He's like, oh, I'm I'm gonna go and do this instead. At least convey that you would rather be doing the digital world stuff, but he just doesn't. He doesn't have a, an emotion other than quiet, misty voice that shows extreme indifference to everything. As a person, he doesn't seem to be showing us that he's excited about these things. He doesn't seem interested or bothered. And for, for a show that's supposed to make us excited about the digital world, He's the only one who doesn't seem excited about it, and that really grates with me. Even Davis, I know he's kind of an awful person, but at least he's so hype about going. Even Yoli's hype about going. And I don't get why the youngest kid who should be so excited about it just isn't. They've written three new characters, and one of them has zero interest in actually being in this place, in this situation. For him, it's like it's just a job he's got to do, and I feel like that's that's not an interesting character. Even if he's scared, I think it would be so good to have a character who's actually terrified by the digital world. We had Joe in the last season where he's terrified. If they want Cody to be more like Joe, have him go. But he's absolutely terrified because there's monsters that can kill him. So that's a realistic thing. I'd be happy to see Cody be like that. But we don't see that. We don't get anything like that from Cody. We just get, I'm going to go and do this because it's a thing I have to do. I'm going to be there later, probably. That's not interesting. Instead of showing us emotions they get us they just have characters say emotions but they don't seem like the actual emotions that they're portraying like i know i've got mad about cody before but it's i think I'm, I've, I've i've thought it through and this is kind of how i feel about him he just doesn't seem excited and for a show that's about excitement and adventure he stands out as being this boring character who just has zero interest in what's going on <sighs> i've said my piece about cody now yeah i'll have my turn later on 
I think I know where you'll say so I've got more stuff to talk about it when it happens so we'll talk about it then but yeah so anything you want to say about Cody not going to the digital world because he's got Kendo my notes just say Cody is so boring but I like the dynamic. It's one of the things they should should explore in this. And I know they explore it in Tamers a bit more, but they have real world commitments. And I find it interesting that Cody is such a person who's got these, these after school activities. And they should really focus on that more. One of the only similarities they really have is Joe's got real world commitments that he wants to try and get to, but he can't do it because the digital world should take some sort of more important, or is it precedent over what they're doing? But you know, explore that, explore Cody being like, I really want to go and do this stuff, but I've got to stay and, and do the things that I've already got planned in my life and weighing those things up. But we don't get that. We just get this disinterested, boring character who I find really frustrating. Like, I know we have the little who's worse, Ash or Davis, but for me, if you take away, he's constantly hitting on Kari. He's just a hyper boy. He wants to have fun in this fun world but speaking of kari kari appears and davis says how he's like he wants to go after the digital world and how they should go together alone but kari basically just ignores him like at no point does kari say look we're not together we're not a couple so please stop being like this one thing that i've noticed is that they seem to really emphasize the words digital world every time they say it and it's weird just why are they so focused on those two words digital world because that's the fun place they're going to but it's weird (laughs) Why does it require that emphasis whenever someone says it? It's like, we've got to save the digital world! I don't understand why they have to focus on that so much. It's just a weird thing that the voice actors seem to have a habit of doing. They're emphasising how awesome the digital world is, because Cody doesn't emphasise it. So they get to the computer room and they find it populated with TK and Yoli and all the Digimon now all there. And Yoli says how they've got a signal from one of the Digimon in, a, in an area deep within the Empress controlled zones. Davis says that they should all go, but Upamon says they need to stay and wait for Cody. Davis says that he is Kendo, and Upamon asks what Kendo is, so Davis hits him with the newspaper. That's not explaining what Kendo is, that's just hitting a small ball with a newspaper. Upamon's innocent in all of this. He just wants to go as well, but he's just concerned about his partner. I find the in-training Digimon to be really adorable. I think I've mentioned it before, but I like baby and in-training level Digimon, because I like their simple, like, monstery designs. It's quite fun how they act differently as well. Like, Upamon seems so excited and hyper, and Demi Vimon's all excited as well, and, and Poromon just seems quieter, but also just more, like, just content and happy. It's nice. They're nice when the babies. So, yeah, after that we get Cody doing kendo practice, and by that I mean we see a shot of Cody breathing heavily, and then the world goes dark around him and we see like just a still image of Upamon and then Cody takes a step and then gets hit over the head with a kendo sword and then it cuts to a shot of the kendo clothes on the floor and that's like them taking a break that's not us watching him do kendo that's just a few still images that's all they needed to show what they wanted to show which is that Cody's thinking about the digital world right now so they're taking a break and then we meet Cody's grandfather and can I just say I really like his grandfather I want him to replace Cody. Yeah, he's really funny and he's like really cheery and stuff. Just how did Cody happen? I know he's like a basic grandfather figure, but when he's paired with Cody, who is Paisley soup at best, he stands out more and he's just really funny and he like he offers Cody prune juice. He says he seems distracted and if he has a problem, any problem can be solved with prune juice. And I'm like, he's funny. And then Cody's like, my problem's too big for prune juice. I'm like, Cody, stop being so sad. And then Cody says that people are relying on him, but he's afraid he'll let them down, which he's doing by delaying them constantly. So far, he's the only person who's slowed everybody down by making them all wait for him. But then his grandfather says, if you try your hardest, 
you won't let anybody down, which is like a nice bit of advice, but not necessarily true because you can try hardest and still fail. No, you can't, Sam. You can. You can only fail if you don't try. So Cody nods and leaves in a hurry and his grandfather's drinking the prune juice with a happy smile on his face. And I, I got my little notice. I like Cody's grandfather. He's good. Better than Cody, anyway. Cuts to footsteps running towards the computer lab and you're supposed to think it's Cody. Uperman says it's Cody. And Davis is like, nope, it's not Cody. And they all freak out because it's going to be somebody else. So they're just stood there holding their Digimon. It's like, maybe have a lock on the door or have someone standing guard instead of just being like stood there and being like, oh no, it's somebody else. Oh no, they're going to see us with what we can say are plush toys. But we see it's Joe with the bad hair. Sorry, did you say bad hair? It's Joe with the bad hair. But he has great hair. Out of all of his hairstyles from, like, season one all the way up to try, this is his worst haircut. I'm sorry, but this is his best haircut. Is this because it's very similar to your haircut? In what way is my hair blue? Except blue. Style-wise, it's similar, I think. It's just the best. It's so good. It's not. It's Joe with the bad hair. It's good. It says a lot about how he's been recently. He's been incredibly focused on his academic studies and has not had time to get a haircut. What does his previous hairstyle say? Actually, that's quite good. I, I could read that into the into his character design. It's quite cool. So Joe introduces himself to everybody and he says that it's weird seeing Digimon in the real world, which makes sense because they've only been there once, which is in the Myotismon arc, and then they like immediately had to go back to the digital world. So it would be strange for him to just see Digimon hanging out and basically doing nothing. And then this next bit's just a delight, where TK just expositions at Joe about the digivices, and then Joe just goes, yeah, I already know, rendering the entire thing pointless. But yeah, so Demi Vimon smells food, and Joe says he's bought supplies because he plans on going to the digital world with them, because he wants to save Germamon, even though they're not sure which Digimon it is. I'm assuming that now is like... This is when Joe reveals that it's Gomamon, so now they all know it's Gomamon. So they're about to go, and then Cody appears, which means some time's passed, and the kids have basically been waiting around. So I can't tell if they've specifically been waiting for Cody, or if it's like they've just been hanging around, and it just so happens that uh, Cody's come back before they leave. But either way, Yoli shouts, let's go, and she's so hyped. And this, like, from Yoli shouting, like, let's go, and then here we go playing. It makes me feel happy, and it makes me feel hyped for them to go to the digital world. Like I've said with uh, Cody being so bland, Yoli is one of her few lines in the episode. It's just her shouting about going to the digital world, and it makes me happy. And they end up in Iceland. Freeze land or something, I don't know. If this is confined to File Island, which I don't think it is, because it looks like a pretty big map. They're in an icy place. They're in somewhere cold. Narnia. Yes, they are in Narnia. Joe gives everybody a pack of like hand warmers, which are like these little um, foil bags that you, you like crush and they warm up. And Yoli drops hers and it melts the snow, revealing Gomamon's face, which I'm like, okay, but that could be kind of grim. If she didn't drop it, they wouldn't have found him and maybe he would have died. The connotations to that are, are kind of dark, that just because she accidentally dropped it, she managed to save his life. But also, like, when Gomamon wakes up, he's not, like, really badly wounded or anything. He just seems okay. So was he just, like, taking a nap in, this, in, the, in the snow? Well, he doesn't really seem to care about the cold that much. So it was probably absolutely fine. Just a bit battered and bruised. So they have their little reunion and Armadillamon gets all teary-eyed, which is kind of cute. Joe and Gomamon's exchanges are really good in the whole episode. I like Joe and Gomamon. They save the episode a lot. They do. So they see a dark spire in the distance and they explain to Joe that the dark spires are the ones restricting evolution and everything and that's what the Emperor's putting down to control the digital world. So they need to cross this arctic tundra in order to get there. So it's like a long, vast, empty space of, of ice. 
and then they need to get to the spire and knock it down. So they begin cutting down trees to make a raft and they use the Digimon as dogs and then they all pile on the, the raft and prepare to head out onto the ice. To which I say, why not just evolve? Three of their Digimon can become mounts, which is Patamon, Gatamon and Hawkmon. So why not just have everybody fly there? And I want you to put a pin in this because from now on, all of the problems they have can be solved by them just flying there. So Wormmon notifies the Emperor for half a second and he's like, what, they're here? I don't know how Wormmon found out. By the way, Wormmon's great. Wormmon is lovely and I love Wormmon and Wormmon's great. He tells the Emperor to put on a jacket. Oh yeah, he's uh, he like wiggles up next to the Emperor and he's like, oh, it's cold. And then he just gets kicked because he's not allowed to be nice to the Emperor. So we see Frigimon in a line blocking the Dark Tower. But from the shot, it looks like there's a wall of them. But when it pans up to the Emperor, there's just five of them. So it's not exactly impenetrable. They could go around them. Do they not try that? No, 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 no. First of all, we get the screen screen for Frigimon, even though it says Yuki Darimon on the top, because that would have cost money to change the text. But Joe comes up with a plan, and the plan is to just run past them. That's it. That's the plan. They don't change their position. Like, they don't change the course of their, their advance. They just keep going in the same direction. Their plan is to keep doing what we're doing and just go past them. It's a good plan. They've got 360 degrees of approach they can get to the, the Spire. There are five Frigimon in a row in front of them. They're going to go straight at them. They could also fly over them. Nope, they've got the brilliant plan of just keep going. Yeah, the Frigimon can only punch, so they couldn't reach. But if they go past them, they literally go within arm's reach of them. But that's the plan, is to, to go directly at the danger and between the danger. It's the fastest way there. The fastest way there would be to fly there. No, it wouldn't. If it was in a blizzard, then this whole episode would make more sense. They go past them, and then the Emperor gets the Frigimon to fire their punches at a hillside full of snow. So they are projectile punches. That triggers an avalanche. You know what they can avoid? Like how they could avoid the avalanche? Fly over it? If they flew over it, they would completely avoid the avalanche. But it's fine. What they do is they turn at 90 degrees and, and, and run past it. Because the avalanche is rolling in a, like a perfectly straight line, the snow isn't rolling to the side and outwards in every direction like it would. Instead, it's in a perfectly straight line. They just managed to avoid it. Hooray! So they miss it, and then they see a crevasse in front of them. Because next to the hill is also a, a, a drop into nothingness. But they don't stop running. What they do is they go over the crevasse. The raft doesn't fly into the air. It just goes at like a perfectly horizontal line over the gap and lands on the other side. While the kids do the most basic scream ever. They're just like, uh, This is terrifying as we go over this gap, which is literally there just to artificially create tension. But they're, they're not done. Now they're going to just escape the river that's right next to the, the pit, which is right next to the hill. But they don't. They turn at the last second and Cody falls into the water. Do you know how they could have avoided the avalanche, the pit, and the river? By flying. Wait, we need to count. They've got three flying Digimon, and then there's six people and three non-flying Digimon. You're saying that each flying Digimon would have to carry two people and a Digimon as well, which is a bit much. It's not. They're strong Digimon. I mean, do you often see horses being ridden by two people and a dog? A horse can carry more than one person. But do you often see a horse being ridden by two people and a dog? What if they go back to in-training forms? But they're not going to do that because then they're at a disadvantage if they do run into trouble. From flying out of range of all the other things, I guess we can go and be near an avalanche, a crevasse and a river then. But tell me, Sam, have you ever seen a horse being ridden by two people and a dog? I've seen a horse carrying literally two people and two children. Well, that's too many people for one horse. 
It's fine. The horse can do it. Then did you also see the horse start flying while carrying those four people? They're supposed to be strong due to and I'm pretty sure they can carry two kids. No, I, I don't think that they could fly while carrying all the weight that they'd need to. I think they can, because they can. <laughs> if it happens later in the series, that's fair enough. But until then... <laughs> I'm pretty sure it does happen later on in the series, actually. Well, we'll see, won't we? If they ever carry two kids and a Digimon at the same time. But we can also avoid all of this argument, because later on other stuff happens which we'll get to so yeah so they turn at the last second and cody flies off the uh raft straight into the river and then gomamon jumps down after him and then instead of seeing them rescue cody which would be an exciting thing to watch but we can't have too much excitement because we've literally just had a hill a crevasse and a river it cuts to a flame because we're not allowed to see cody get saved instead it's just cody by a flame shivering and then joe gives him herbal tea which is like 10% herbal and 90% tea, which implies they're two separate things. I wonder what herbs he's added to this tea. Maybe something to make him sleep, because he's just so dull. So TK decides that they need to leave Cody in the cave to recover, but his clothes are dry now, and he seems fine. All he did was get a bit wet. There's no reason why they couldn't bring him along. He shivers a bit. Okay. If he shivers too hard, he might break the ice and they'll all fall in and die. But doesn't this seem like a an arbitrary handicap to give themselves? That they should stay here for no reason? It's not for no reason. They need to stay there so that Cody and Joe can bond because they are the same person. They need to stay there so that they get attacked by the Emperor. That's the only reason they stay there. So whilst they're in the cave, they have a heart-to-heart where Joe says that they stay behind for a reason. Okay, but why? There is no reason for them to stay. It was because Cody had hypothermia and was a liability. But he wasn't, though. Like... His clothes were dry. He didn't look like he was dripping wet or anything. He was fine. He was shivering, Sam. You only shiver if you have hypothermia. I just, I feel like it's just an arbitrary reason they left him there. It's because he's eight and they don't want him hanging around. They hear a noise and they leave the cave and they see the Emperor with Shelmon. So Joe says that they need to buy the other time to destroy the Spire. So they get Gomamon to go and fight Shelmon. Gomamon, the Digimon that doesn't have actual attacks, as opposed to Armadillamon, who can evolve. Like, why are they sending out the weakest one of the two to go and fight Shelmon? Because Gomamon has more comedic value. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> also, I need to call out the Emperor on something. Because he says that Shelmon's attack is strong enough to demolish rock. But as shown in the second episode of season one, it clearly is not. If it could destroy rock, imagine if it hit the kids, it would just destroy them. They'd be torn apart. So unless that Shelmon in the first season was going gentle on them, the Emperor's just wrong. <laughs> So Vimon evolves to destroy the spire because it cuts to them for a second just so we can watch Vimon evolve. And this bit's really just bad. <laughs> it's just there for no reason other than we need to watch an evolution. And then we get Cody evolving Armadillamon. What I don't like about the bit with Davis and the other three is that they have Flamedramon on his own taking on an army of Fridgemon while the other three deal with one spire. Yeah, because that's how it works. <laughs> but Why? <laughs> Because they have to create tension, and it can't be be as simple as everybody attack now. It's got to be, oh, it's one against five of them. How will he survive? Honestly, the kids in this episode create their own problems. The Empress is kind of there. Why did they need three for the Spire? <laughs> I don't get why they couldn't have just had them all go together and fight, because it would have been so much easier, as opposed to now we just have these two fighting over here for some reason. Then Cody runs up to Shelmon and tells him to leave Digmon alone. Ah, Cody. Cody puts himself into immediate and severe danger. What are you gonna do? You've literally thrown yourself into actual danger. But Shelmon was being a meanie. 
because they need to put tension in this boring episode. Once again, the child has made the problem for himself. The child does put himself in danger too much. To be fair, I quite like the imagery of like when Digmon protects him and he like jumps in the way and like slide on the floor a bit. He looks terrified, which I quite like. Like it looks, the image looks quite good. But the fact that he put himself in that danger bothers me. Cody wouldn't do that. Cody wouldn't run up and just shout, leave Digmon alone. No, he's a bit stupid. And then somehow from him saving Cody, Shellman stands still long enough for Digmon to stand up and then destroy the Dark Ring. And then we also get Abedramon appearing and dragging Digmon into the water because now they're suddenly next to a river. But even then, like, why not just have Abedramon at the start? Why have Shellman? If you're going to drag him into the water. Well, who's Gomamon going to tell jokes to, if not Shellmon? I don't know. So it cuts to the other kids, and they come up with a plan to fly over and attack the spire. They hit it three times, and it falls down. That's it. Three hits. That's all it took. They could have done this 20 minutes ago, which would have saved them going near the avalanche, the crevasse, the river Cody falling into the river and being left by himself, and then the Emperor appearing in front of Cody and Cody standing up in front of Shellmon and Digimon saving Cody. All of that could have stopped if they have just stayed with Gomamon. The three kids with flying Digimon flew over there and attacked it three times. Those three could have gone off on their own and done it. I mean, even if you want to say that maybe they're too heavy, I don't know. Two of the Digimon could have carried Davis as well, and then one of them could have carried Vimon if they were just strong enough to carry them, so that they could have had flamed them on fight the frigimon if they absolutely had to but this entire episode all the tension in this episode is because they decided to not fly over at the spire until the last second it is just a bit stupid it's a very big oversight so joe says that they destroyed the spire and gomamon can evolve now and then the emperor says what and then wormon just repeats what joe says and i find that really funny yeah the emperor is wrong when he says that what is a figure of speech what just means what so then... Let's kick it up, please, doesn't it? Yeah, it does as, they, as Ikakamon jumps into the water and does two attack. I barely watched the fights. Ikakamon jumps into the water, hits Abudramon, and then they're out of the water. The fights are so fast, if I'm not looking at the screen, I just miss them entirely. It all happens in like three seconds, and then they're all stood around in the snow, and then I guess the day is saved. Like the Emperor, what, did he just leave? Apparently. They never freed the Gizamon or anything. They just destroyed the spire. It just felt so, like, inconsequential. They were just, oh, here's Digimon. Oh, and it's freed. Here's another one. Oh, it's freed. Okay. And then he just left, I guess. And then all the kids and everyone are about to leave when, yet again, Cody has to, like, stall everybody for some inane reason. What does Cody have to do? Finish their introduction. Even though they've had the entire time that they were building the raft, they had all the time in the cave. Once again, Cody is delaying them for absolutely no reason. And then Kari says that Cody reminds her of Joe, always honest and stick to the sticks to the rules. I'm like, Joe doesn't do that, though. Joe isn't really honest. He kind of keeps to himself and doesn't express his feelings. And he doesn't really stick to the rules. That episode where he literally jumps off a mountain onto a flying horse, or like he lies to TK's mum about saying that they have woodworking class together, he's not always honest and sticks to the rules he's more like a prepper who plans for the worst case scenario he's not like a i'm always honest and sticks to the rules and then tk says that he reminds him of izzy full of curiosity how tell me how he's curious he's so disinterested in everything he's not amazed by the digital world like everybody else is it's just a thing he has to do now he hasn't asked a single question he's just like i'm here now I'm going to hinder you because this is what I do. I'm so like Izzy. Cody makes me sad. 
Cody makes me sad because he's not like any of the other people and he's boring and then they he just drags attention from everybody else. Honestly, that bit there where Kari and TK are just saying that Cody's like Izzy and Joe put together, just, it made me angry because <laughs> he's nothing like either of those characters. He's been incredibly unreliable. He's turned up late twice. He's not even wanted to go one time. He's not shown any curiosity whatsoever. He's barely asked any questions or tried to do anything. What they've tried to do is, instead of giving us developed characters, they've just taken bits and pieces from characters we already know and have followed and grown to like, just put them together a bit badly into new people and just said, look at them. They are like those people you like. Do you like them as well? Like it's some sort of shortcut to making a character that we're going to enjoy watching. But it doesn't work because... We don't know anything about them. We know about Joe, and we know about Izzy. But what do we know about Cody? He can't go until he finishes a tomato. It's just boring and bland, because they've just not made a character for Cody. They've just pointed at Joe and Izzy. That's all he is. He's a big pointer. He's a sign that points at someone else and says, Look at them. I'm like them. <laughs> Love me, please. But even, like, when we met Izzy and he goes into the digital world, he's, like, got his laptop out. He's being like, oh, this is fascinating. What's this thing? This is really cool. At no point has Cody ever done anything like that. You know who has done stuff like that? Yoli, when she gets there, she's like, oh, my God, what's this thing? There's stuff over here. It's so exciting. I'm so excited to go. She's so hyper and happy to be there, as well as Davis. Cody isn't. And Joe, when he gets there, he's petrified absolutely everything. It would be so much more fascinating for me to see, like, for the reason that Cody is quiet, it's because he's absolutely terrified. It'd be good that, like, he says that he wants to stay in the cave because he's cold, but then, like, when everybody leaves, he says to Joe, I want to stay here because I'm scared. For me, that would be so much more interesting to watch this small child get over his fear of the digital world. Because that's something we don't see. We don't see somebody go, actually, this place is scary. We get people going, woo, look, it's amazing and shiny. And I think that would be such a good reflection bouncing off of Yoli and Davis, who are both so into going to this place. Davis is just full on hyperactive and wants to go there. Yoli's like, this place is really fascinating. I want to go and just have a look at everything that we see. Cody, if he just is like, it'd be so nice just to see him being like, quieter and stuff and he's that way because he's scared that would be really good and you wouldn't have to change his character that much you would literally have to have a couple scenes where he's like i keep creating these obstacles for myself because i'm scared he's not scared he just runs up to digimon like an idiot and says stop picking on my digimon it would be a unique thing that they haven't had really joe didn't have a choice he was just in this world that was that was more of like a a shock and, and, and fear. With Cody, it should be more like, like he's just intellectually scared. Like he's like, he, he's, he understands the world that they're going to, but the fact they have to go there is scary for him. So that's where the reliability element could come in. Like they're relying on him. So he's got to step up and be reliable, which means he has to get over the fear that he has of being in this world. And maybe once he becomes more comfortable with this world, even though it's scary, he can start being like, okay, well, what's this then? And then that's where he gets curiosity, but he hasn't got curiosity. He's not honest and reliable or anything like that. He's the one person who's let them down so much. Out of all the people, he has been the least reliable and the least curious about anything. My main problem is that I think they're trying to have the cake and eat it too. Because they're trying to move away from the previous characters from last season. Because they've already had most of their development and there's not much left to do with them. But then they also don't want to just fully cut them off because there'll be lots of people that will be upset by that. Because they like those characters. They're trying to keep them in and also kick them out and replace them with these new kids. And they're just not 
doing it well. These new kids aren't good. They seem so flat. There's nothing to them. I mean, Davis is just inferior Ty. Granted, the other characters at this point, like five episodes in, were still pretty basic. But because they've taken these three kids and have gone, these are parts of the other characters, which we know. Like like with Davis, Davis is boring because he is just another version of Ty, but they've added Ty and Matt together to make this person. So it's nothing new. We've seen these these elements before. We've seen them all in other characters who do it better. None of them have their own unique traits. But even the parts about them that we do see that are themselves aren't interesting. Cody isn't interesting. Davis isn't interesting. Yoli is probably the most interesting because she's got this huge family and these responsibilities that she has where she has to go and work in the shop. Honestly, she should have the crest of reliability and knowledge because she is the one who's curious about the world. What they'll do is they'll say, oh, he's like Joe. And TK will go, oh, he's like Izzy. And then we've got to be like, yep, we agree with that because they told us that. It's just blatantly obvious that they've not bothered writing these characters. They've attributed other crests to them, but instead of showing us those things, they just say they are, and we have to accept that. And that really grates with me. And Davis kind of matches them with, like, courage, but that's, like, dumb courage and friendship because he just likes having friends. Yoli kind of can be, like love and sincerity you can kind of mash them into it because like she is kind of honest and open but it's love but that's kind of vague because she loves her partner and everything because they're digimon cody's is the one that is so against what he's been given and it really stands out it's creating this wall that makes o2 kind of hard to access because it relies on you not only knowing the previous season's characters which we do but also being like, here are those traits from other characters in these new people, and now you have to like them as much as you like the other people. And that's asking a lot for the audience, and especially characters who are fundamentally boring and not as well fleshed out. It's such a big leap for people to accept, and then you have that mixed in with really good concepts like a human villain and stuff. There are some really good bits, and then there are some really bad bits in there, and it just, it, it's kind of a bit of a mess. Anyway, standout characters... Joe, I quite like how Joe's accepts the digital world for what it is, and now he's, he's he just seems so much more mature, and he seems really like prepared for everything, and he seems really cool. And his hair is way better. Yes, if you agree with that. Yeah, Joe stood out for me as well. He's just like a dad for everybody now. He's like, here's some heat packs for everybody so you don't get cold. And he's like, Joe, look at you being all prepared and and, and nice and caring about people. And I liked his jokes. Yes. He had some of the best jokes, apart from the cholesterol one about the egg, because that was just bad. Favourite thing? The in-training Digimon, I would have to say. I just find them really adorable. Like I've got Gomamon and you've got in-training Digimon, but I think the reasons are the same, which is where they're like they're quite bright and bubbly. Just nice characters and they bring a certain joy to, to the episode. They're just fun and cute. Which is what we want in our little Digimon. They're simple, it's hard to mess them up. Filler or not filler? filler i mean we see joe again but it's just another one of these older kid turns up for an episode and then we defeat a dark spire and then we also get told how oh look this new kid is like this old kid for no reason like they have a habit of saying x is like y but instead of showing us that they just tell us that and then we have to accept it he reminds me of izzy because he's shot that's like the only real similarity i can think of overall thoughts the problems in these episodes were created by themselves and by them not planning something. They have a clear solution and something they could do which would solve so much of the problem. They do it later on in the episode as well, which I feel is detrimental. Like, if they hadn't had their Digimon flying over but still destroying the spy, it wouldn't be as bad because we're not given a solution that they could have used sooner. But I feel like it's just not good story writing to have you essentially come up with all the problems yourself. And especially Cody running out 
in in front of uh, Shelmon. I know he's got like bad characterization, but that still seems like so against everything that he stands for. And then, like I said, with the avalanche and then the the crevasse and then the river, they felt so forced together just to create three terrifying things they've got to get over just to keep tension going and they just do write things in to add this artificial level of tension which doesn't need to be there i think it's just poorly written i think if it weren't for joe and gomamon being in this episode and the in-training digimon it would just be entirely bad i totally agree the previous digidestined are the crutch that this series is leaning on right now but it's not a very strong crutch Anything else, or are you ready to move on? I didn't hate the episode. It's just Cody's so boring. I wouldn't say I hate it, but I, I don't like the episode just because of all the obstacles they fight. The, the Emperor seems so inconsequential here. He's just there, and the main problems that they face are just themselves. And the bit at the end with Kari and TK is just so blatant and bad. It made me angry. Now it's time for Mono and Mono, where we attempt to compare these episodes... So we've got which mons were new to us, which was Hoot Hoot. Hoot Hoot was a Hoot Hoot. It's just like a round bird <laughs> with a leg sticking out. I like Hoot Hoot though. And me, I quite like Hoot Hoot. It was fun. It's so weirdly shaped. It's just a circle. Owls aren't normally that round. They usually just have round faces. Unless it's Hoot Hoot or Rowlet, which are both the roundest birds. It was fun though. Hoot Hoot was a good Pokemon for this episode. It had a lot of personality. Hootoot's more interesting than Noctowl that it evolves into. Which is just an owl. It's really boring. <laughs> it's not even a Pokemon, it's just an owl that photoshopped into the show. Gizamon? I know we've seen it in all the seasons, but this is the first time we've seen it in O2. Okay, if we're counting that, then fine. <laughs> I like Gizamon. It's like a frog with spikes, but also furry. It just makes me think of Digimon World Dusk, because they're in the first area. It reminds me of the V-Pet, because Gizamon's in the version 5, which is one of my favourite V-Pets. Oh, and how they jump weird in Digimon World 2003. Frigimon? It's a white snow bear. Yeah, there's five of them. It's an army. Ibidramon? Blink and you'll miss it. Lobster. <laughs> it, it's just a lobster, and it's there for three seconds just to pull Digimon into the water so that Kakumon can be there. It's interesting that it's classified as a dragon Digimon, though, because it has Dra in the name. Don't know what an Ebi is. What was your monster of the week? Gomamon. It was good to see him. I think we've said like some of the best Digimon are from the first season and they're being brought back in, in, in season two and it's good to see them because it's like, because we've had the adventures with them. So we've got all this history with these Digimon and like the new three don't really seem as characterized because they're new. So seeing like, especially Gomamon, who's like probably the funniest of the first kids Digimon. We hardly see the new kids rookies do anything. I mean, once they're in the digital world, they just sort of follow them around and digivolve when required. They don't really talk to their own partners at all. It's probably why I like their in-training forms more. I really like their in-training forms. And they all look, even though they're just different versions of Ball, they're all quite different. At least Pokemon does have a habit of making them actually talk to the Pokemon. They don't just follow them around everywhere. Who was worse this time, Ash or Davis? I'm going to have to say Ash, just because he wasn't really acting like Ash usually does. I think it also helps that Davis was kind of not one of the focal characters this episode. Yeah, Davis did pretty well. He had the usual Kari issues, but he came up with a sled idea, and he, he took on an army of Frigimon single-handedly. Yeah, Ash actively bullies a Pokemon, which is against his character, and then he takes credit for everything that they did, which was weird, because he didn't do anything except put kids in danger. Which storyline did you prefer, and why? 
I preferred Pokemons. I found it more fun, and it was nice to just have a little bit of character development for the Tutus. It's pretty samey and stuff, but I did feel like at least it had a, a few funny bits in it, like Team Rocket just being there for, for like three seconds and it being completely inconsequential was kind of funny, because it's Team Rocket. It does print out like 500 episodes that are all pretty much the same and it's all filler, but like, it was still okay. I didn't end up hating it, I just felt like it was it wasn't the best. It was a very safe episode. Yeah, that's the best word for it. And the problems I have with this season so far are all my own problems, which are, for me, first episodes should be quite exciting, and this isn't exciting. It's the same stuff we've seen already. So yeah, I'd say I prefer Pokemon. Similarities? I've got one. Is it that it was boring? (laughs) Both shows have people putting themselves at risk for no reason. Ash makes them go out into the forest with the hoot hoot that can get them lost. For no other reason than he saw Gary. And then we've got Cody actively running in front of Shelmon for no reason. But we've also got them splitting up and doing their own thing and, 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 and not doing the easiest solution. And that's kind of the only similarity I've got. People just make bad decisions in these episodes. Differences? I think that Pokemon has a much more clear focus on the Pokemon, whereas Digimon has a much more clear focus on the characters rather than the Digimon. Yeah, Pokemon, it's like, look at this Hootoot and wave the Hootoot around for an episode. With this, even the, the newer Digimon we get to see, they're kind of there for half a second just to be a thing that attacks. Like, we see a Beedramon and Shellmon and Frigimon, and they're kind of there for three seconds just to launch an attack at them. Whilst in Pokemon, it was all about the, this Hootoot and why... Why you need a hoot hoot to get through this forest. Digimon's kids right now just aren't doing anything interesting. What have TK and Kari done? Exposition, basically. They're just nothing anymore. TK and Kari used to at least be interesting. They're the in-between. They're like the 0.5. So like we've got season one and season two. They're like the 1.5. They're the glue that, that bonds the two groups together. Yeah, they're just there to be a constant reminder that last series happened. Uh, Zero Two's not showing good signs. But which episode deserves the point this week? Pokemon, because they absolutely refuse to give Digimon that, that point. Yeah, I've got Pokemon written down as well. At least I enjoyed Pokemon. Digimon's was bland and boring and made me sad. Digimon actively damaged itself and characters. Digimon's just really saddening. <laughs> Join us again next time and we'll be watching the sixth episode. Flower Power and Family Picnic. Pokemon stole a title from Digimon. You can listen to more of us on SoundCloud, iTunes or Stitcher where we like getting reviews and comments. And you can message us via our Facebook, Twitter and with the world thread at email which are all linked in the show notes. And you can support me on Patreon if you feel like it. We do commissions and art stuff and the arts, your art's just really good by the way. Steve, you drew one of my RP characters for me and it's really adorable even though he is... Flipping the bird at people. I'm enjoying drawing at the moment. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Shinchita with my soul, you let it my ear,
Let's start with illusion confusion. Hoot hoot. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, I think you actually dropped out. No. Oh, so it's just hoot hoot and then silence for ten seconds. Okay. I did actually write down the plot, but just like, no, I'd rather just say hoot hoot 20 times. Do you not agree that that's not what this episode was about? It's not really. It's it's about... Um, hoot hoot. About being lost in the forest. With hoot hoot. Okay, so... <laughs> do you want me to do an actual we can plot? Just ju- we can just jump into it. No, it's okay, it's okay. We can do wood hoot hoot. I mean, there's so little to the plot. We can... That's That's more than enough that we need like the plot can literally just be this pokemon this time <laughs> might hear purring because bandits come in and now he wants fuss and attention oh <laughs> you can show there boy cody literally runs and puts himself in Was severe and immediate yes <laughs> this is actually the first episode of digimon filler we've had apparently yeah yeah it- it Wait, what happened? So. What happened in Pardon? Iron Vegemon that made it not filler? You were the one who said it was not filler. Why did I say that? <laughs> I don't know. I need to check. Oh, because um, it taught us about the dark spires. That's why. Okay. That was it. Anyway, back to this episode. <laughs> we see, for example, we'd see Cody punch a Digimon, and then TK goes. Cody really likes Digimon, and we've got to understand that he likes Digimon because that's the thing we've seen that we've been told, and we have to believe what we're told, not what we've seen. Cody is so reliable as he goes to a kendo lesson rather than a digital world, falls into the water, gets hypothermia, and puts himself in danger in front of a shellman. For no reason. Yes. All things mm. a reliable person would do. And then hinders them. He's hindered them three times at the moment, twice in this episode. A lot of my issues are just with Cody. <laughs> Yep. Cody's dragging the show down and is boring everything. Mm, they could replace him. Honestly, they could replace him with a plank of wood. He'd still achieve the same amount. He might as well be a plank of wood. Mm. He is just plank from Ed, Ed, and Eddie. They've just drawn <laughs> Izzy and Joe's face onto a plank of wood. <laughs> He's gone, that's Cody. Mm. 